Welcome to the Trisco Podcast. We are three druids gathered in a virtual grove to share our thoughts and our path with you. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 16 of the Trisco Podcast. If you are a returning listener or viewer, welcome back. And if you are new, welcome to the podcast. We hope you enjoy your stay. Today, we're going to talk about fire, specifically fire in ritual and how we all use it um, within our daily practices, within bigger rituals, and just sort of in general in ritual space. But before we get started with that, let's do introductions. So I'm Victoria, and I use the pronouns of she and her. I'm Drum, and my pronouns are he and him. And I'm Amber, and my pronouns are she and her. Like I said, today we're going to be talking about fire in ritual. And I should point out all three of us are members of Andhra Fein, which is an Indo-European based tradition. And one of the things that is very, very common in all of the various Indo-European traditions is that fire is a central component. And so today we're gonna to talk about how we use fire in our rituals and how maybe you can try to incorporate a bit of fire no matter what your circumstances are in the rituals that you are doing. So let's start about talking on what, how do you use fire in your rituals? Actually, let me step back a step. What does fire in ritual mean to you? I think that fire, fire and ritual is, um, is really two things. One, I think it is the, it is the focal point um, of the ritual. So typically we have a, we have a ritual on the hearth, we have a ritual in the circle, we have a, I mean, we have a fire in the ritual, fire in the hearth. And I think it draws people in uh, because it's warm, because it's bright. Um, and so I think it has, it has a focal uh, property. But I also, I also see the fire as a, um, as a transformative thing. Uh, for me, especially, um, I see that, that the offerings that we make to the fire are transmit, you know, transmuted into something other than, than what they, they were. They were something, they get transmuted in the fire, they become something else. So in, in a way that the fire is, uh, is, is a magical act because it really, I mean, to the scientist, it is just, you know, transfer of energies, but to a magician or to a religious person, it is a transmuting thing. It changes, it changes something magically into something different. Well, and, and symbolically, I mean, it, it is absolutely transformation and stuff, but for me, there's also an element of hospitality that's represented by the fire, you know, in a more modern context, it's a lost lost a little bit, but fire is what were, was used to warm your home. And it's what was used to bring light when it was dark and it's how food was cooked and you know all of those central elements of being a good host and, and you know so to me that's that's another huge part of why the fire is so important it is that central idea of hospitality and transformation that is the core of our rituals and you know I, I find that a really powerful symbolism there's definitely something about gathering around a hearth. I know that, um, so in ritual, when I welcome the kindreds in, I will often welcome them to join me at my fire, to join me at my hearth, right? That idea of that, that gnosis, that, that sort of hospitality. Um, but I also find fire is such an interesting thing because to me, fire is one of these things that ties science and magic together. Yes, scientifically, 
I have a life sciences degree. I can tell you how fire transforms paper or wood or incense or whatever it is into ash and into the other things. I mean, I got an A in biochemistry. I can tell you how those molecules and those formulas work. But at the same time, even though I know how it works, it is incredibly magical that it does work. The fact that you have this application of heat being able to transform something from one thing to another and the different types of fire and the different strengths of fire and the, the heat of the flame can do so many different things. I mean, a wildfire, I spent many years in California where wildfires were just deadly. No two ways about it. They were destructive and deadly. But at the same time, I have a little fire in my hearth at my, at the, when I was in Florida or when I was in California, excuse me, not when I was in Florida, when I was in California, uh, I had a fireplace. So here I had a fire that warmed my house. It kept us warm and kept us alive and comfortable. And this is the same thing that destroys entire cities. Like to me, that that's just magical. That's that is that sort of that is just that enchantment that you bring back into the world. That here is the same thing that has so many different embodiments and so many different ways it can go about it. Now in ritual, we contain it as much as you can contain fire. Um, I have lost many a hair to fire <laughs> by not being able to contain it as well as I would like. Um, and, and there are many druids and witches who have uh, various scars and lost eyebrows and hair from fire because fire will do what fire will. Um, at the same time, it has such amazing transformative properties of turning, of taking the incense that I put into the fire and melting it and transforming it into this glorious scent that goes up to the gods, that goes out to the kindreds that we smell. Like it just, I'm also a Leo and fire sign. So, you know, fire's my thing. Um, but I just find it just so fascinating. It has so much depth in so many different levels. So I, I talked a bit about using fire uh, for transmuting offerings, uh, but how do you guys use, how do you use fire? How do you use fire, view fire in, in ritual specifically? I mean, for myself, I think the fire in a, in, a, in a ritual purpose is that, you know, as I mentioned before, is that transformative thing. It is that, um, it's um, when we recreate the cosmos, there's a, there's the fire at the center. Um, and so I think that that's part of that creative process. It's the fire of creation. Um, <clears throat> so fire of creation, transformation, it's, it's all these stages of coming into being and, and, you know, coming out of being in a way. But I also find that, um, that fire, especially in my daily practice, um, I do a water and fire thing in the morning. So I do some anointing with um, 
with water first thing for my household spirits and then I light a candle and I typically will uh, mention this in one of the prior podcasts but I'll I'll engrave on the candle um, some thing that I'm working towards and I look at I look to the fire and to that candle as a way of releasing that that engraving on the candle and kind of bring it out into the universe. So where a prayer flag lets the wind carry it away, I let the fire carry those things away. So it is, um, it is um, an intent, it is a process, and it is, it's also a duration, it's a period of time. The burning of a candle is, uh, is this quanta of, of time. My aunt uh, lived outside of, of Bordeaux, um, had a vineyard and she had this really old home and the walls were like a meter thick and she used the fireplace to heat her home and whenever there were company or whenever there was visitors we'd sit around the fire and she used to always say so this is for you Esperance she used to always say a fire is a good friend and um, because it was com- it was company, it was companionship and it was also the sense of companionship along what Amber was saying because if you're sitting by yourself, the fire is your companion. If others are there at the hearth with you, then, you know, the, the fire brings a good friend as well. For me, fire is a very diverse tool. Um, it can for sure act as that the sacred center. Um, it can act as a focusing agent if you're trying to do ritual work of some sort. Um I've actually given candles as offerings to beings and deities. You know, you light the candle and let it burn out. Like that is the actual offering. But then I've used it to send offerings as well. You know, burning items in the fire to send it wherever it needs to go. Um, And I've also used it in in fire scrying. So as my method of divination and trance work. Um, So it's, it's a really diverse creature being... uh, thing i don't know um but it's something that can be used in a multitude of ways in rituals and i think that that's part of why it's so important especially in adf rituals i mean it's the one element um one tool that we require to be used in every ritual so you know i i think that that's why that exists i know that um one of the sort of more prominent memories that i have of rituals is I was uh, I was at a goddess ritual camp, so this was the witchy side of me as opposed to the druidic side of me, and we were doing a, a ritual where folks were dancing around the fire, and they needed a fire tender, and I volunteered, and I pretty much spent the night in the space of the fire. Now the fire itself was probably about. I want to say four or five feet in diameter. It's a big fire. And my job was to keep it going and keep it contained. And I can't actually tell you what happened in the ritual <laughs> because I was completely enthralled by that fire. And we had a conversation and we had a dance and we had a relationship and we understood like... We had an understanding, I guess, between each other and how this was going to go. I was going to feed it and it wasn't going to go crazy. And it was this really interesting kind of that, that, that dance, I call it a dance, but 
if you've worked with fire or you've worked with any other kind of thing, like if you worked with electricity, which is another kind of fire in my mind, um, or, or you've worked with other things that are potentially deadly, but also really useful. There is this kind of give and take where you figure out what the right balance is of, I feed it enough, but not too much. I, I make sure the brakes are far enough, that the, the stuff is far enough away from it so that it's not going to get likely to jump. Um, and it becomes this conversation between yourself and the fire or whatever it is you're working with. And it's just like I, that, that session is so vivid in my mind. I, I know that there were people dancing naked around me because somebody told me about that afterwards, but I don't know that from remembering it because I was not paying attention to anything other than the fire. But it was just one of these really amazing nights, amazing experiences where you just kind of vibe with the fire or you vibe with whatever it is and, and, and just kind of lose yourself in that conversation. That's really cool. I remember doing, going to certain festivals where they had, you could sign up for like a work project. And I would typically take, do um, fire watch. And I would take like two to four in the morning. And the beauty of that was that uh, it's kind of like, so here you are at this fire and it's the only thing that exists because everything else is darkness uh, that you can see to the side. So it's like fire is what is it's it's that's what's concrete in the world it's the known and then that darkness that's around you is kind of like the unknown or the coming into being and it was just really fascinating to me just to sit there because usually two to four in the morning there was nobody else around but people would like wander in it would be like this you know you had this stage that was the fire and the darkness and people would kind of come in spend some time and then and then come out it was a it was a fascinating experience and um, it was not only welcoming, but I felt um, that I was actually doing something important by feeding that fire, that by, by keeping it going. And there were a number of festivals that I went to where the fire was kept burning all festival long. Mm -hmm. And so it was, uh, it was like the heart of, of, of the festival. Um, well, I know at Wellspring um, back in the before time when you could actually have Wellspring in person. Um, that the wellsprings that I attended, the fire was going the entire time. It was lit at the beginning of the festival and it was <clears throat> attended until the end of the festival. Um, and I found that to be, even though I, I, I only visited the fire a few times um, and usually when there was lots of people around and we were socializing or dancing or whatever, but it was nice to know that it was there even if I wasn't in the field with the fire, but knowing that, that this fire is going the entire time here is the sort of core and kernel of this festival that keeps going. And it's kind of like at a ritual, you light the fire at the beginning of the ritual, whether that's a candle or an acknowledgement of a red agate stone or a symbol of fire, whatever it is, like you, you sort of acknowledge fire at the beginning of the ritual and you keep that acknowledgement going until the end of the ritual. And so it's this thread that runs through the entire thing uh, that keeps that, that sort of consistent hearth alive. So 
Um, I mentioned a couple of different ways of symbolizing fire, but how do you folks generally symbolize fire in, in your experiences or in the people that you've talked with? By symbolize fire, do you mean like physical representation or do you mean like in your brain? Oh. Physical representation varies a lot based on where I'm at, what I'm doing, all that fun stuff. You know, I have a fire pit outside, which I, is preferred. Like I would like to actually have a fire outside. That's great. Candles are all right. Um, but I've also used, like I made a little Sculpey, out of, a little fire symbol out of Sculpey that I can use as travel or in my house when I can't have a fire for whatever reason. Um, but it, it looks like a little bonfire. It's just tiny and made of clay. So that's cute. We'll put a picture somewhere. Thanks, Amber. Good job. <laughs> um, but in my brain, it's it's a very different creature. You know, it's 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 always that bonfire. It's always, you know, big and lively and beautiful and filled with movement and energy, um, even if it is a tiny clay sculpture. I have a little fire that I made out of a sculpture as well. I've seen ambers it's beautiful mine is a little more primitive um but I, I i like to use that i also use red jasper for me red jasper is a fire analog and it's one that's very portable um so if i have to go someplace and i want to have a representation of fire i usually carry a red jasper with me um and i think for me that there's um you know, there's a couple of great forces at play. I mean, we really talk a lot about the Earth Mother and how important the Earth Mother is. But the other thing that I keep in mind, and I, th I think about Eric of Pittsburgh when I make this comment, but the sun is really important as well. It's this, um, you know, kind of one kind of fire. And I think in some ways, the fires that we make are reflections or pieces of that sun. Because without the Earth Mother, we are nothing. But without that sun up there, you know, it, it really does make a big difference. And so for me, that that the, whatever fire we have, whether it's these candles here or, you know, whatever I decide to do, it is in some ways a reflection uh, of that as well. So I keep that in mind. Uh, you know, for me, that the fire that we see is also, the, you know, the fire above us. Um, and one other thing that was, I, I used to, uh, I worked with a, a friend of mine who was a Brahmin and I used to take pictures of the ritual fires when we do rituals and I would, I would show it to, the, to him and he would always, um, look at the fire and see what he saw in the fire. And I found that really fascinating because if you look at pictures of the fire, it's sometimes it's more than just a fire. There's, there's so much you can do with fire. I know I connect with fire on a fairly visceral level. Um, uh, where, where I grew up, I lived on a mountainside and every dry season, fire would run up the mountain. And it was actually quite a surprise that our home never actually got burned, um, mainly because we had the fire department on call and we already had the hoses out and ready to go. And we knew how to make that make that stay awake. Um, as soon as we saw the fire start coming up, we would start soaking the pot of the fire. But, uh, so I've always had this really interesting relationship with fire because I also love fire. And sitting by a fire and watching it is one of like that, those, those great joys for me. 
and especially when I'm around a fire with other people that I enjoy and we're telling stories and we're, we're talking to each other and you know that that fireplace experience we get at festivals or I used to get in the SCA or, or camp house will have or whatever. Um, but for, for me, I find it really, really easy to lose myself in that fire. Uh, maybe because I'm a fire sign, maybe because I connect so much with fire. Um, but and so I've never tried fire scarring because I've always been like, I'm gonna just lose myself and it'll be bad. And I don't want to go there. It's it's probably not something if you're concerned about it to try by yourself the first time, but but I'm also always like experimenting. So that's, I do like experimenting too. So maybe one day when we can get together again. Someday. Yeah. I mean, admittedly, I have a really, really complicated relationship with fire. Um, I actually did lose my home to a fire um, when I was 10. And then when I was 24, I actually lost my office, like my entire office building burned down in a fire. So um, it's a fairly traumatic and terrifying beast um, that I don't always like or appreciate. And it scares me a lot in a lot of ways. Um, but at the same time, some of my favorite memories are like my grandparents had a wood stove that they burned to keep their house warm. And so that smell is the smell of my grandparents. It is the smell of comfort. It is, you know, warmth and love. And so I've seen both ends of that spectrum, both the, the love and, and community that can be built by fire and the devastation and hurt that can it can cause. And so <clears throat> there's definitely days where fire is not my friend. I, I'm very angry at fire sometimes, but. It's an interesting beast. It is this, this, thing that that transforms and takes our offerings and and according to some old mythology actually sort of transmutes the offerings into something that can be accepted by the gods and by the kindreds and at the same time it can be so incredibly destructive Mm -hmm. i mean i think fire is something that you need to approach with respect at the very least, no matter what method you're using it for, no matter what tool you're using it for as, it needs to be treated with respect. It will bite you, literally, <laughs> if you don't. I mean, I think that that's kind of part, again, I go back to that that idea of hospitality, that give and take. You have to treat it with respect in order for it to respect you. Otherwise, it's not gonna. That's bad. <laughs> so... Yeah, there is also the saying I've seen on a number of witch, uh, witch discords and stuff as people are, are getting ready to try new spells or whatever. And people are like, remember, the number one danger of witchcraft, don't burn your house down. <laughs> Be careful with your candles. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You've got to treat fire with respect. Right. Well, and I mean, all of that ties back to mythology. You know, you if you look at the deities of the hearth that is directly connected to fire, um, you know, they, they're almost always the deity that's also associated with hospitality and, and community and that sort of stuff. So, you know, it's it, it's all connected. And I think that's really also cool. Also not deities you want to piss off. Yeah, I think that there's, I mean, for me, fire <laughs> has some other meanings. I mean, I think that um, for me, in seeing, in some ways, I see fire as as what animates us. You know, we have this 
this kind of electricity that that animates us that makes us alive and you know i, I guess to modern people maybe it's some kind of electric current or uh, but I think it's also this kind of fiery component that is, you know, kind of the fire of life. And so I think that there's a little bit of fire that lives in all of us. And I, um, you know, with some deities, I, I just did some breeze work in the, over the last weekend. And, you know, part of the, the work that I did was in seeing, you know, the, because I see breeze as this, this fiery goddess, you know, kind of bringing that light kind of into ourselves, uh, and holding on to that. And we did some work um, at, a, at our most recent clergy retreat, I think it was, where we, uh, in talking about the dead uh, and in rituals to do with the dead, we talked about the presence of fire, the presence of fire, not only as something, you know, to, for those who are living, uh, to kind of the, to remember those who have passed, but something that we also pass along to the person who's passed on that they can carry with them into the next world so they they carry the light of this world with them and we carry the you know the light or the fire of their memory with us so it's also you know more than just that physical fire it's kind of a, it can also be a recollection or or something that we hold on we hold on to and even reflect you know reflecting that light uh, reflecting the fire is also it's also another fire in a way. Right. So I, I mean, I know that on Halloween, I light a, a candle and leave it in the window and to let it burn overnight in a bowl of water. Because uh, respect. But, uh, and, and the point of that candle is to, is so the, the souls who want to come and visit know where to go. They have a light to follow. I love that. I really like that idea. I think it's beautiful because it, it you know, we use the fire to call others to our hearth and, and to offer hospitality, but we're offering hospitality to the dead as well. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I have a, I have an ancestor altar and I have a light that's always burning there. Um, I have cats. And so having a fire burning all the time is not practical, but having a light, uh, an led light that doesn't use much electricity, but that's always lit there so that they always have a place to go to and are always welcome. Right. And that's a really good point. And if we've talked a lot about fire and the dangers of fire and how you need to treat it with respect. Um, I am of the personal opinion that electricity is fire, just in a different form, um, mainly because I worked for the power company and I got to see how many fires electrical sparks get to set. And I'm pretty sure they're the same thing. But if you don't if you're not in a position where you can have a lit flame, maybe you have cats, maybe you're in a dorm, or you're somewhere where a flame is not allowed. Uh, I used to do a lot of traveling, so hotel rooms don't allow a candle. An electric candle, a fire agate, some kind of orange or red stone, uh, apps on your phone that have pictures of a fire or a fireplace or a candle, all of these things, or just a drawing of, of a candle flame and a candle, all of these things can evoke fire for you. It's a matter of what, what works for you in your situation and where you are. So don't feel limited if you can't have an actual open flame. There's so many different options that can still bring fire into your space. Absolutely. I know that uh, in the Avesta, they, they identify five different kinds of fire. And the most vigorous of fires that they identify with is lightning. 
So here in some ways, I mean, going along with what you said about electricity, it is electricity. It's, you know, kind of natural electricity, but also another kind of flame. And I mean, for myself, seeing lightning is like, ooh, ah, you know, it's really cool stuff. And yeah. <laughs> you said cat, it had to show up. It had to show up, yes. Um, but no, I, I mean, I think that that's pretty popular in a lot of cultures, though, that there's these multiple representations of fire, you know, so I talked about um, hearth goddesses. So uh, Greek mythology, you know, Hestia is, is the goddess of the hearth. And so there's fire associated there. But there's also you know, Hephaestus, you know, the god of the forge and, and the act of creation and, and transformation that happens at the forge and you know Zeus is his lightning and um, Hecate has the torch that she carries at the crossroads and you know so there's these multitudes of, of representation of fire associated with the different deities and in a different form every time and so you know I think that that adds validity to us using whatever method of fire we connect with and in whatever way we want to you know, I think that that's really cool. No, I like, I, I really like what Amber had to say because those rep representations are very powerful. And, you know, just, you know, even with, um, with like Helios Hyperion, you know, the, I mean, that's the fire, you know, there's the fire of truth there, I think. And I think that's also, you know, this important symbol. Um, and so, there's so many different ways of looking at it. Fire is more than just that thing that burns. Uh, it, right. uh, so. There's also the fires of creativity, right? If you look at Bree, she is the goddess of the hearth and of the forge and of poetry, right? So there's that that sort of thread of fire through the, the different things that she focuses on that she cares about. And that includes poetry and creativity. So there's fire in lots of different things. Um, if if you, you look at sort of the more witchcraft traditions, you see fire being talked about as that which consumes and that which creates, right? You've got the two different sides of fire. And so I know that, uh, for instance, there, there are uh, types of plants, mostly pines, that require fire in order to open up their seed pods so that the next generation of plants can actually happen. So you have this really interesting balancing act of destruction and creation sort of in one act. And I think that it's really important for us to remember that fire isn't one thing. We've talked about the different aspects of fire throughout this, this entire podcast. And fire can be so many different things and it's gonna be a different thing to different people. And it's going to have different impacts on different people, and it's going to have uh, different ways of working with different people. But it's something that's really part of our lives. Um, without a whole lot of stretch, you can talk about there are biological uh, happenings that allow us to digest food and allow us to, uh, to run and breathe and exist that are a result of electricity through our systems, that are a result of fire through our bodies. And so- There's a reason they refer to it as burning energy. Right. And, and so to me, fire is just such an, an essential, dare I use the word elemental, um, in the scientific form of the word, not in the magic form of the word, uh, sort of 
part of our beings and our very lives that it, it behooves us, I think, to incorporate fire as part of our practices, to recognize it, to respect it, and to honor it. Because without fire, we wouldn't be here. Agreed. Well, and I think that's why you see fire taking place in things like the creation myths. And, you know, I mean, in Greek mythology, that's my default, sorry. Um, It's not necessarily present in the creation myth itself, but then there's a myth explicitly explaining where we got fire anyway, you know? So it's, it's always in or around that myth because it is so important to life. And that's, it's cool. It's neat. In the Norse myths, uh, creation happened between the lands of fire and ice. Fire is a huge part of it. If fire didn't exist, the ice wouldn't have melted and the primordial cow wouldn't have existed and none of this would have happened according to the Norse myths. So it is just such an essential part of the creation and the existence of life. Absolutely, the spark of life. A piece of fire. And so I think we have come to the end of our episode. I think that's a really good note to to end on, the value of fire as the spark of our life. Amber will uh, be so kind as to share with us a definition for the next few weeks. Uh, so this week we're going to use the uh, mythic oracle deck. It's one of my favorites. I spent way too much time talking about Greek mythology today, and that's what this whole deck is based around. So we're not continue the theme. Um, So we start with Eos, uh, New Beginnings. Um, Eos is the goddess of the dawn. And so that first glimpse of fire in your day. How appropriate. then we have Odysseus, which is a journey and one of my favorite things ever. Also, notice there's fire on the car. <laughs> um, Odysseus is a hard journey sometimes, but it's a journey that eventually will get you to where you need to be. Um, it's a complicated back and forth, um, but as long as you stay focused, you can get your goal. Um, and so when you've got new beginnings, sometimes you don't always take the first step smoothly, but you figure it out. And last we have Athena, wisdom. Um, I don't know that there's much more to say about that. Athena felt left out today, apparently. Sorry. Um, <clears throat> there is a journey ahead of us, a new beginning of some sort. Um, we'll make wise decisions and we'll learn a lot from that journey and ultimately it'll, it'll lead us to where we need to be. So that's kind of our message for this week. That's a wonderful message. Well, thank you all for joining us today and we will see you in a couple of weeks. Bye. 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 Thank you. Thank you for joining us for today's video. If you like this episode, be sure to like and subscribe. You can also find more episodes on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and all of your favorite podcast providers. You can find us on social media, on Facebook and Twitter, or for more information, visit our website, triscolpodcast.weebly.com.